Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. It's a mini-sode. Hi, it's Frida. And it's Abby. Welcome to the 90s and the movies that shaped us. But is it a perfect dream or a teenage nightmare? Skater boys and valley girls, grunge kings and prom queens, math geeks and fashion divas, T-birds and pink ladies. They had it all and we were loving it. Wardrobes to die for, keggers, street races and being coy while the guy you fancy sings to you from the bleachers. 20 years on and we're reliving our teenage fantasies. But does it still pass the vibe check? We are on episode three of five of our Teenage Dirtbag miniseries, and today we're talking Empire Records. The 90s gave us kids in their natural habitat around high school. Classic goofy teachers, fights for popularity, fashion statements and teen crushes. Empire Records shook it up and dropped us into the real world-ish. We exited high school and got to see the trials and tribulations of a set of music-loving, highly strong, chaotic teens. They overcome their fears, save their happy place, and find love and friendship along the way. After all, you can't fight today. Not on Rex Manning Day! (laughs) Frida. Good summary. Empire Records. It's still as good as ever. Like, maybe it's a little messy. Mm. But it went by like this, yeah. watching it, didn't you find? Yeah. It was over before it started. It's, do you know what? The only copy I could get of it was the, um, there was a special edition made that was for uh, made for the fans, basically, where they added 15 minutes of material to it that is unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. Fifteen really? minutes added. Yeah, it's oh. it's it's so unnecessary. I haven't seen that. So yeah, it was it was the only one that I could rent, and um, yeah, so it was like so. There was little bits in it that I was just kind of like, oh, I don't remember that, and it was because of that. But for the most part, everything is just as snappy as um as before. Yeah, they're definitely younger. Like it's a bit mm. of a shock. Some of the yeah. characters, um, one in particular, Lucas, just how young he is. Yes. Um, but I got over that quickly. I had yeah. to get over it. I was like, whoa, will his lines, because he's got all the one-liners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> will his one-liners have the same effect on me because I see how young he is? And I had to, I had to kind of like, right, focus. <laughs> I just like, I have always loved this movie. Mm, that's so good. It's, it's my favourite out of all of the ones that we're doing. Um. It's always been like a vibe for me. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe Empire Records. It's a mood. It's a feeling that hits me in all the right places and always has. Mm-hmm. It's just, I watch it and I'm just like, I don't know. It's just everything, everything about it. I'm just like, yeah, mm. yeah. I. It's what you said in the summary. It's more real. It's the real yes. world versus sort of the other ones. The clothing they wear and they're like, yeah, just the way that they are. Exactly. It feels the, normal. All of the relationships are messy. All of the interactions are complicated. It's not just the standard. Each one is stereotyped into being this exact character, which is what we tend to get with all the other ones. Um, there, uh-huh. There's complications. There's, yeah. there's personality and there's weirdness. And yeah, it's just, it's great. Mm. Um, speaking of, uh, should we talk about some of the cast? Because... <laughs> Where do we begin? There's, yeah. So the cast, trying to get into the cast. <laughs> oh, 
We have Lucas, Rory Cochrane, Gina, mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger, Joe, Anthony, Le Palia. Le Palia, Pal- yeah. yeah, thank you. Mark, Ethan Embry, Deborah, Robin Tunney, Corey Liv Tyler, Jane, Debbie Mazar, AJ, Johnny Whitworth, Burko, Coyote Shivers, Rex Manning, Max Caulfield, Eddie, James Willis, and Warren, Brandon, uh, Brendan Sexton III. <laughs> Uh, it's a big cast. It's a big cast of a lot of people that I would love to spend a lot of time talking about because I love them all so much. Uh, the first thing I, but the the first main thing I want to say is Lucas because yeah, to me Lucas is probably one of my favorite characters of all time in any movie. Yeah, and even his look, his look is yeah. such a vibe. That yeah. look is like when I've had. Ruin Raff was like a baby. If I ever dressed him, you know, in a black top yeah. and a black shirt, long <laughs> sleeve, and his little hair like that, it just looked like Lucas from Empire Aww. Records. <laughs> so baby Lucas. Um, do you remember where else we've had Lucas? Oh, this is really, uh, my brain is scratching. Tell me. Um, a Scanner Darkly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Rory Cochrane. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So I have our, to look at I've got look at pictures of everybody so that yeah. I remember all these names. <laughs> so is there anyone that you want to like really pick? I mean, like I said, yeah. I could talk about everyone. Mark, I love Mark. Little Mark. Not oh, on yeah, Rex Manning Mark. Day. Oh, he's great. He's the most adorable. Uh, everyone him. knew a Mark. Everyone had a mark in their friendship group 100%. somewhere. Like, sure. I, I love knew, I love yeah. the first song he plays right in the beginning where he gets up and he screams yeah. into the camera. It's classic. Um, is there anyone else that you want to really pick out? I love Robin Tunney. I've yes. loved Robin Tunney yes. forever. Um, R- Renee Zellweger, I'll talk about it more in the next question. But I mean. Okay. Uh, Anthony LaPaglia is Australian. This is like early Anthony LaPaglia, but he's an Australian mm. guy. So, you know, we own him. Um, <laughs> the guy who plays Eddie, I love James Willis or Eddie. Wills. Yeah, I like Eddie. Eddie's great. He's great. He has a line where where he comes in and he says to Mark, "I heard your music when I came in. It was scary," but yeah. he just says it in such a way that you're just like, it, "There's no judgment here. There's no nothing." That's right. It's just like Eddie. You know, he has a lack of judgment about him. Yeah, where he interacts with everybody, he's sweet. And do you know what I love about it as well? His character, there's something great about the way that they do this. Not everyone in the store at the same time is working at that time. And Eddie's working across the road, you know, in the piece because he's got two jobs. Mm -hmm. And then he comes in for his shift later and stuff. And this, to me, is very reminiscent of what my life used to be like in the places I used to work in. Okay. Which I'm jumping ahead and I should shut up. Okay. (laughs) Is there anyone else in the cast you want to talk about then? Love Jane. Yeah, absolutely. Love, love everything about Jane. Yeah. Debbie Mazar. I was, yeah, I just, I always liked her and I always liked that there was just this weird connection between her and Joe and it was mm-hmm. just kind of like, it was understood. There was just like, yeah, cool. I, yeah, totally. But also she, she was comfortable. She sat in the environment and she yeah. felt good. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'll stay here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's so okay. my cast. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on then because like I said, I could talk about the cast. I think every one of them is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have time for that. So let's move into the first section for this. And that is best bits. So many. <laughs> I think the best bit is Renee Zellweger's rant. 
that yes. she does. It's the best part of the film, but also she's a cut above the rest. Mm. She's so much greater as an actress than everybody else in that movie. I yeah. love Robin Tunney. Yeah, but she has pretty emotional heavy stuff, but considering how emotionally heavy it is, I don't think she gets it across the way, like to the degree she could have if she was better. Renee Zellweger, though, that rant, mm. it was unreal. It like, yeah, it's... And then Liv Tyler like works off of her to have her breakdown as well. And it's, it's so good. What's beautiful about it to me is like that's friendship. What's like having a having But as outs. in like having that no knowledge and understanding of each other. Not everyone is perfect. Your friends are not perfect. Yeah. Everyone has flaws and you see your friends trying to hide their flaws. You see what your friends try to do in the public space to be better perceived. But your real friends know all the shit that you're going through. And that's the struggle with being that age. It's trying to be yourself, trying to stand out from the crowd, trying to be, you know, uh, an independent functional being and constantly being put up against all of these other people that are up on for show. But then you're there and you're going, well, I know you're fucking lying. Like, I know that this facade mm. you're putting out there is total fucking bullshit. And you need to stop pretending that you're this fucking thing. Yeah. And and that's what happens. Corey is pretending to be perfection, which makes Gina feel less than. And Gina retaliates by just playing into her role of being the slut because that's what she does. And she's like, well, that's why people like me. So I'll just keep doing that because that's what people like about me. And that argument tears all of that down. And I think a lot of friendships have had those arguments. And realities. No one can hurt you as much as your friends because they know all your soft spots. And that's why it's so painful. Yeah. It's great. It comes off of the back of intense slut shaming of her character. Yeah. And I love the tension between that sexy, loose, easy facade and the rage that's underneath. Like how much people love her for that but will quickly judge her for that. That tension of how easy she plays the friendly. Yeah woman and the rage that comes out is is monumental it's such a good scene it's excellent mm-hmm. um so on and more light-hearted ones yes. i also like just to stay on gina actually though i also i really enjoy all of the interactions with gina and deb mm. the way oh, that they so. play off each oh. other in a very like insulting way but neither of them are getting hurt by it because they're just like i don't actually care what you think of me yeah but it's just it's great. It's very Sinead Oh Rebellion. Yeah. Shock me, shock me, shock me <laughs> with that devious behavior. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Um I love every single one of Lucas's lines. Yeah, yeah, I've written some down here. Yeah. What's with you today? What's with today? Today. today. <laughs> hey Lucas, is it true you committed the perfect crime? Not entirely perfect. <laughs> Um, the other still good Uh, one of the things I always loved about it as well was just the fact that Lucas comes in like we know what's going on a little bit at the start you know you kind of know Lucas has done something so he was closing last night there's all the insinuation about the money and stuff and for the first little part of the movie you know people are like pretending they don't know what's going on and Joe what's up why what's wrong but then Lucas comes into the environment yeah, and we just get that one. He just comes in to face the music, and he just tells Joe what happened. I know. And Joe's like, "Where's the money?" Well, I think you know where the money is, Joe. 
<laughs> he comes, the fact that he comes into work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's great. It just gives us a wonderful interaction between the two of them. And I just really mm. love that scene. Yeah. I also loved the scene that Lucas chases Warren. It's yeah. so lols. <laughs> just him standing up there. Like yeah. every now and then he'll sort of stand up um, and look casual. Yeah. That scene is very funny. I love that. Um, and I mean, the the epitome of Empire Records, the thing that people know, the thing that people celebrate every year is Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning Day. Oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. Oh. It's so funny. The whole thing, so the whole funny. thing of this like aged pop star coming into the show, into the record store to sign his stuff, the music video, the frills, his outfit, the hair. It's, it's perfect. The contrast is just... It's uncomfortable, it's gross, it's creepy, and it's hilarious. I know, it's so good. The supermodels <laughs> in the music video. The, he, he's based on Robert, what's his face? Who? Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. My mum used to put Robert Palmer tapes in the car, and Robert Palmer used to have supermodels in his music videos. Might as well face it, you're oh. addicted to live. The okay. lights are on. I but like that song home, a lot. You're mine. Yeah, and he had he had like Cindy Crawford in the video and like yeah. those sort of black dresses. Okay. okay. Um, I didn't know that. It's like a washed up Robert Palmer. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Absolute brilliance. And there's also, there's great music moments in there. Yes. For example, famous one is, I want money. Yes. Lucas, what money? I love, I do love how they're making fun of the whole situation. Like, yes, it's dire, mm-hmm. but it seems like, they are all in a variety of trouble all the time. Yeah. Therefore, they're able to laugh it off. I just love that. <laughs> and another music moment that's excellent <laughs> is, um, uh, hey, Joel, where you're going with that gun in your hand? It starts up. It's Joe. Okay. And he goes, he's angry at Lucas. Yeah. And then that... um. Jimi Hendrix song starts up. Okay. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs> I love the way the music is used here. It's just yes. sort of, it's just directly reflecting what's happening in the conversation. Why not? Yeah. Why not? It's, it's Why it's, not use music like that? The, it's As like the breaking whole, the fourth wall. Exactly. And the whole style of it and everything. And it's, and it's like you said, it's like they're all... They're all kind of in on it in just terms of like there's there no one's letting anyone get away with anything else because they're all like well I'm all you know the spotlight's on you now so let's let's all let's all focus on let's all shit on you yeah kind of thing let's all let's all turn our attention to what's happening over here now and <laughs> and take the spotlight away from us for a second and we'll just laugh about it yeah. and just the randomness the overall randomness of the whole movie to me I just adore it I love it. Yeah. Um, should we move into things that shock you now, though, mm-hmm. or anything, any tropes or things that kind of popped up for you that you were kind of like, damn. Mm. Yeah, the intense slut shaming, like I said. Yeah, it's intense. The whole idea that um, Corey's character, she's so beautiful, so she gets the relationship, like she's yeah. in love because she's virginal. Yeah. Whereas Gina's the slut. There's no love for Gina. Right. That's, that is, yeah, it's like kind of awful. Yeah. I hate, I hate that the virginal Corey is the one who gets sort of loved. Yeah, that's true. And then like, even when we see Corey's flaws, when we learn about like her speed addiction and like her, the reason why she's able to succeed so much is because she's got this problem. Um, 
it, it does become like a, you know, save Corey thing. Yeah, it's still, and everyone yeah. has to like gather around to save mm. Corey. But that happens. That's the reality, I think, of of the world, of my memories of the types of people. You know, there was always people in my friendship groups where it was like, you must protect that person. And this person just like is fine. You know? Yeah, it's like... Wh- but but her speed addiction is still not as bad as being a slut. Yeah. Like Gina is really condemned because yeah. that's the worst thing. Right. Is that. And then what's interesting is like Gina's condemned and Debs is feared because nobody knows how to approach what's going on with Debs. Right. No one knows what to say to her, like how to how to react and and everyone's like, you know, she's there and she's being open and she's like lifting up her wrist and showing it to people and joe's like you know is there anyone there's this moment when joe is like um what about your like your mother can i call your mother or something and she's like well yeah well you know if you could find her i'd love to talk to her too Mm. and there's obviously a lot of depth to what is happening in deb's backstory but everyone shies away from it a little bit because they're like this is too much to deal with we all know a deb though yeah, absolutely. Gina, like Gina makes it so easy for her people to put Gina down. It's like yeah. in the movie, Gina makes it like, apparently it's all free for all on Gina. Everyone's yeah. allowed to shit on Gina, you know. Deb, everyone knows a Deb. Everybody knows a Deb who's like, yeah, you can try if I'm my mom or this or that. Look, I've cut myself. And like, yeah. how do you deal with people like that? Everybody knows someone like that. And it's like, yeah, you're too afraid to. Yeah be honest or talk with them or because this they will that the sharpness of her retorts like they're stabbing they're sharp right. it's not inviting but everybody knows a deb yeah that's true <laughs> i agree i think uh, that's the, the thing i do think the french i think the people are very representative of a lot of oh yeah yeah you know it's like i feel like i know each mm. one of these characters in in my group growing up like i mm-hmm. always they, they were there. Um, so something that kind of... So I've just got to... One one thing is just a silly thing. Like I just the idea of something that shocks me now is record shops being open until midnight and being popular. Mm. <laughs> so lol. I remember when they were. Mm. But just the idea of how far away we are from that world now is like yeah. actually a little bit upsetting. That was one of um, mine. Just the culture, yeah. the stores, the fact that everyone's brought together in the store yeah. it becomes a place where people come together. I want to talk about that more in the next question. Okay. Um, but one thing that like is so, I mean, it stands out so much because it's such a a central part to the movie, but Corey offering herself up to Rex Manning. Mm. And I think it's done well in the way that like, you know, she, she has this idea and we can all see the disgustingness of the situation. Like she's got this romantic idea in her mind and we can all see he's sitting at a pokey little table in a tiny, like back store room kitcheny type room mm. in in the back of a record shop and she's there like taking off and then the way that they do that where she's taking Gina's bra with the red bra but yeah, then she's still got underwear. her little white panties and it's like I always liked that she recognized the grossness of it immediately she was so blindsided by everything and the moment when he leans back and opens up his zipper and she realizes in that moment how disgusting this is and grabs her stuff and, and runs. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just but it makes me think of when you look at that that action and what's happening there and 
how gross he is as just a character. Mm. And then think about the crushes that teenage girls have. And it's just so upsetting to me. It's like, oh my God, yeah, we've all had like intense crushes on celebrity people that if we met them in real life and were faced with that situation, how disgusting would it be? Yeah, and and her in her imagination, what the sex would be like. Oh my god! Yeah, like and then the reality of it was him zipping up, unzipping his pants, and saying "rock and roll," and like I, and then you start to imagine what it what it would be. Well, Gina, but anyway, but you start to imagine like what it would have been like for her. Yeah, versus what she had her expectation, and that I have to say the the underwear and the bra thing. I guess I'll I'll talk about that yeah. in one of the next comments. But. I think I think what's interesting about that scene, and it's only a perspective that I had this time around watching it, was I actually read it and I kind of w- watching it this for the first time. I read it as he was never going to have sex with her. That he knew she was going to run. Yeah. That he le- leant back and he did it that way because he just wanted to eat his lunch and he was just like, oh, here we fucking go again. All right then, sweetheart. And he leans back knowing that she's... Because as soon as she's gone, he's just like, mm, straight back to his food. And I, I, you always took that as a just like, you know, oh, it's neither here nor there for him. But I actually, this time I was like, oh, because there is a, a genuine contrast in how he reacts to Gina. Yeah, he's playing with Gina. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's intrigued. He's actually playing with her. Yeah. With Corey, it was like, he was immediately like, I'm not actually into this. I don't want to have sex with right. uh, a, with a virginal girl who's walking into this room. This is not going to be it's fun awful. for me. Yeah. If you want to get me off, I'm going to let you get me off. But this isn't something that I'm into. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm into it for you. And right. I almost felt like he was in some way through the actions he was sparing her a little bit of something by just being like you don't really want this like I know you don't fucking want this I'm shuddering because I I do when I was a young girl like I'm stammering now because it's so upsetting thinking about the amount of crushes on older guys that I had the amount of blushing I had when someone was much older not realizing the distinction like the age difference not realizing that I remember very much as a young girl yeah. Not having any sense of how disgusting yeah. it would be, but feeling stammered and blushing. And I have no doubt that there are many older guys that it would in some yeah. people are like, I just feel bad for this girl that she doesn't realise how young she is. But some people are probably like, would love a young girl yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and That's what yeah. we don't realise at the time how gross it is. Young girls flirt. We do. We flirt. As soon yeah. as we realize we're girls and we like guys, as soon as like you realize that as a young girl, if you're you know straight and you like guys, we are flirty like that. And I hate when you hear people that are pedophiles and like they go, she was, they talk about girls being enticing and being like, they, yeah. you know, you see girls these days and they this or that. I hate hearing that because I, I do remember as a young girl feeling like I was yeah. attractive and, you know, but it isn't. Yeah, it's not the girls it's not on the girls on the adults who realize that that person is a child and to yes draw the line. It is actually not the yeah. job of the fifteen-year-old girl. Exactly, <laughs> recognize where girls can have crushes without understanding and and have these distinctions. And she's not a mature woman who is trying to turn you on and trying mm-hmm. to entice you. She's a girl, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's it, it's just that whole thing. It hurts. Yeah. 
But let, let's move on to the next section, which is how, what, or what kind of parts or things to do with this movie shaped your views, behaviors, or what bits were more relatable to you? So that underwear thing is so relatable to me because mm. I can look back to remember times where I didn't know about lingerie, like you didn't know about it. Yeah. And like you get older, you know about, you wear certain underwear. Yeah. If you have certain intentions, you dress in a certain underwear. <laughs> but there was a time. Next movie. <laughs> Next movie. We'll come back to it. 10 things I hate about you. Oh, I totally. There's yeah. that thing. There's 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 a time where you didn't know about that, mm. where you were turning up to dates that you know might get sexual wearing cotton underwear. Yeah. And it's funny because like, and then you might borrow the bra. Yeah, I just, I related to that completely. <laughs> like I feel like the awkwardness of remembering times where I had cotton, like cotton underwear. Yeah. And like now that I'm older, I'm like, I've got my separate <laughs> underwear that aren't comfortable necessarily under clothing. Right. But you yeah. wear it and like, oh God, I just died of embarrassment thinking about like, <laughs> you know, what would that person have thought? Like that he knows she's how virginal she is by the underwear. Yeah. She has no idea that he would know that because she has not been in the world long enough. And that one-sidedness is right. so awkward. Like, he knows. Yeah. She doesn't know. I'm dying on the inside um, <laughs> at that scene. It's so good. Um, but I think in general, just the idea, like, I think it shaped me the idea of Liv Tyler's virginity. Right. And how she got the love and the relationship in the end. Okay. And on a serious note, I do think that that movie – to shape a little bit of like who deserves to be loved and who yes. does not deserve to be loved. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that because especially like with the age when when like we would have been when it first came out and like cuz for me it's it's so relatable the movie on the whole. In terms of all of the characters I can point to people in my life each one of them. I know I know them like I know those people. The environment, like I said, it's just the environment of working in a place where people come in on their days off, where people just come in to hang out for a couple of hours before their shift. Or like I had those work environments, you know, mm. you're you're trying to do something else in the back room while other people are out doing whatever. And then when you're when you're on your day off, you just go in to hang out with the people because they're the people that you work with and it's okay. the place that you're comfortable in. And yeah, and you have like multiple jobs. So you go from that job to the other job and then you might see some of the same people at your other job. And it's just like all of that stuff is is memory to me. But the thing that's the biggest memory to me is the record store. Mm. Like going into a big record shop that's a couple of floors with all these different sections and you had like the closed off room that was the vinyl room and you had the headphone points all over the place. So you could go and you could pick up the headphones and listen to mm -hmm. stuff to, to figure out like what kind of stuff you might want. And you just browse through everything and you'd go in for signings. You'd be queuing up outside when people came so you could go in and get your stuff signed and... And they would stay open until or if like something new was coming out, people would be queuing up at midnight waiting for it to open so you could go in and get the special thing. I have so much memory of all of that in such a way that just watching this movie just made me nostalgic for it. It made me miss that mm. environment in my world. It made me miss those places that you go to and you interact and connect with people. And yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. I love it. My sisters loved this. I had three older sisters. Mm. So 
I was still slightly young when this came out, but they went around quoting it all the time. <laughs> so they, I think they were more <clears throat> like, yeah, I think that was definitely something that they were into. And so for me, it was about being cool, like my sisters. Yeah. So in order to be cool, you should quote Empire Records. Yeah. <laughs> I think on a style level, this movie did a lot as well. Mm. The yeah. style of all the people. This was more realistic clothing. Like they could have easily been in their yes. own clothes. Yeah. So I think as versus, you know, other teen movies where the clothing isn't something that was in any way accessible it's to fashion. me. This this was on a style yeah. level, this was great. This was normal people in there, like yeah, mm. people just all as you said, all different styles. And you just made me think as well, because this movie also shaped a lot of my interest in music. Mm-hmm. Like it did. It it shaped my interest in music in such a way that I always had a diverse interest in it. You know, and I, I would have like friends who were like very specific into this style of music right. and you, you, you know, and this movie for me was always very much kind of like, you can like so many different yeah. types of like music. Like Eddie, like Eddie says yeah. to Mark, throw in a bit of classical, a bit of jazz, like you gotta, you gotta change it up yeah. a little bit, Mark. Oh, mixtapes. Oh yeah. Remember mixtapes? Oh, stop. Yeah, totally. It's adorable. You could do it with Spotify now. I love it. Yeah. It's not the same. Uh. I want a mixtape. Um. Anyway. I, I still think it's so cute. Yeah. Even if somebody makes you a special Spotify playlist. Shout out to someone special who made me a Spotify playlist. Yeah. <laughs> it is very sweet. Mixtapes, yeah, that was that was the thing. Yeah. We had a, a bookstore called Borders that was open till midnight. Um, I loved hanging out there. Mm. But definitely, you know, I'd line up to get certain books that came out, i.e. Harry Potter. Yeah. But it had a cafe and it was open till till midnight. And I used to go there quite a lot. Um, because I was like definitely a growing up religious and everything like that. Um, going to clubs and stuff was just not something that I would have known where to begin or anything like that. And so going yeah. out at night I was like, gosh, where do we go? So the bookstore <laughs> that was yeah. open till midnight <laughs> felt like a safe spot on a number of levels. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that That's was, it was cute. a book for me. Not, not, uh, I still like going to bookstores yeah. late at night. I love bookstores. Love bookstores. Um, all right. Shall we move on to uh, the last question, which is who are you in this record store? I feel like I can be a bit of everyone if I really think mm. about it. I love Jane. Joe, what I wrote is the stress that Joe is under. <laughs> the, the palpable stress that man <laughs> is under. It felt so relatable to me. Uh, his stress. He's so stressed. But the drums. Yeah. But, oh, I, I missed something out. I missed something out. I just realized from the question of what is shocking and dated, I missed out when he beats up Lucas. He fucking yes. just beats the shit out of yes. him. Yes. Dated. It's so weird and it's dated. so out of nowhere. It is dated. Um, and I don't even know how, how I feel about it because it, it's so unexpected. But it's real life. That he just, yeah. In real life, you get beat up once or twice. Oh. For some people's lives, not everyone's lives, yeah. but there's a lot of people that live a life where you might get beat up now and then. Yeah. And the thing is, Joe, I'm not saying, God, I'm not in any way saying that this makes it okay or anything like that. But <laughs> Joe is Luke, a father figure to Lucas. They have a relationship that is a paternal relationship more yeah, he, than anyone else. Yeah. Like Joe is essentially Lucas's dad. That's why he came in. Yeah. So like... It's not it's not the random boss in the store beating up the employee. It's the father beating up the son. Don't you get a sense that he's a foster father for all of them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
that's why they're all there. That's why they're, they're right. I mean, aside from it being Rex Manning Day, but uh, that's that's why they're all in the store all the yeah, time. Yeah, I get a sense that he, yeah, he he's sort of the foster father. Mm. Yeah, but anyway, so who would I? Yeah, I think at me now, I'm like I relate to Joe, just his stress, his tension. <laughs> Liv Tyler for me was the ideal that I would have wished I was so like. This is what I was gonna. This is what I wrote down. I was like, I always wanted to be Corey, Corey. but now that we've had this conversation, I realize. Well, the reason I wanted to be Corey was because, as you said, she was the one who got love. Loved. She was also the smart one who was going to Harvard. And she was the one that everyone took care of when she had a breakdown. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously why I wanted to be Corey. Because I thought, well... She was loved. She gets all the good stuff. But I love Gina. Gina. Yeah. And now that you're in the studio, you can see what I'm doing. Renee Zellweg is weird. Sugar high. Which is a real song. The guy who played Burko, it was his band. All right. Okay, stop now. Stop, stop. Corey Shippers. The guy who played Burko, that was his real band that played at the end of Burko the... Burko um, loved Gina. Burko loved Deb. Debs. Yeah. And there was obviously more going on there that we just don't... We didn't. We never got that backstory, which I'm fine with. Which I love, though. Yeah. I love the richness of the backstory. Yeah. So uh, maybe who am I? Lucas? I feel like I, I see myself in so many of them. The, now, if Regrets. I could... So, like, yeah. So when I was younger, now I realized I was like, I always wanted to be Corey. And now I look at him like, if I could be anyone, I would want to be Lucas. Because I just think Lucas is hilarious. And the way he just owns up to it and faces it. And, and even like, he's like, Joe, just like, call the policeman. Like, I fucked up. It's fine. I love that. But he's just so zen about the whole situation and just the jokes that comes out of him, the lines. It's just, it's glorious. Mm. Even the quick decision he made just to gamble the money. Yeah. It's pretty ballsy. I don't want to be Corey because <laughs> it takes a lot to maintain that yeah. that veneer of perfection. Exactly. No one wants, you don't want to be like that. No one wants yeah. to be like that. And it does maybe like people that have that physical perfection. Yeah. Have the pressure to maintain that idea that they're perfect, which is miserable. Mm. No one wants that. All right. Final comments. Mm-hmm. So one, two. One is why the scissors and clippers in the bathroom are always, this was something I always was like, why are the scissors and clippers in the bathroom that Deb goes in there? I have decided that it's perfectly logical, given the random shit that would have been in the places where I would have worked, like as a, mm. you know, late teens, early 20s, the random stuff that just would have been around because people would have brought it in because a lot of the time people would have gone out after work and, and whatever. Or so I'm like, do you know in. what? Yeah. And the fact that they hang out there all the time, I'm like, it makes total sense to me that they would okay. have just loads of stuff around. Yeah. Fair enough. So I have one more. Yeah. Mark doing the trestle table. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's so excited when he does it. And just as the batter comes down in front of it, you see it fall down again. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, Mark, bless him. <laughs> Mark with the brownies when he's watching the music uh, video. Yeah. Hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, it's too bad we must eat you. With the ballet dance, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of salty, but oh. it's fine. Yeah, I didn't know. I always thought it was adorable. <laughs> he doesn't touch her. He does, doesn't he? No. He gets very close. He goes in close to her and then she like goes into her move and ends up hitting him. And then he's like, whoop, and runs away with his little feather duster. Right. Um, this was my dream job as a teenager. 
America. This would have been my absolute dream job to have worked in this place with these people. Just to have um, friends, really. I love the party. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love the party. I love the, the party uh, that they do uh. um, at the end with the whole, just the free-for-all, just everyone rock up. Um, mm-hmm. It's This is going to sound weird, but it's very, very realistic to me. Oh. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is very re- realistic and very reminiscent of a lot of places that I remember um, from like a tail end of my experience, but definitely pre a bit more pre me, like people older than me and stuff. The, there's a lot of environments back home where there were certain clubs and certain um, clothing stores and just places where it was like this environment. It was all those types of people would go and hang out and they just have random parties there. And yeah, there's just this this total yeah. randomness. The idea of having a big party at a record store <laughs> totally, out totally makes so sense to me. Um, and then just the fact that like, yeah, just all these people. I just love it. I love that scene so much. I love that that ending. I think it's great. Yeah, I love the ending. Yeah. I love it. So oh, yeah. That's brilliant. Empire Records. Oh, I just love that we got a series where we can just talk about these movies for no mm. reason other than just wanting to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's it. Um, okay, so that's it. That is episode three of our Teenage Dirtback series with Empire Records. And in two weeks' time, we are back with 10 Things I Hate About You. Great. See you then. Bye. Bye. We're teenage dirtbags, baby. Happy is a much bigger dirtbag than Frida. I'm Chloe the dirtbag here. It's me. I'm the dirtbag. <laughs>